Hello again. I'm here now with Robin Chase. Robin Chase is the founder and CEO of Go Local, an online ride-sharing community. She also founded and leads Meadows Network, a consulting firm that advises city, state, and federal government agencies about wireless applications in the transportation sector and impacts on innovation and economic development. Robin is also founder and former CEO of Zipcar, the largest car sharing company in the world. And her um, talk today was on turning scarcity into abundance. So could you go back a little bit to your talk this morning and speak on that subject, please, Robin? Sure. When I think about scarcity, or I feel like today we are all feeling like we're living in a very scarce world, that we don't have enough money as individuals or governments or companies to do what we want to do. We're feeling the pressure of population and congestion, crowded places, and that there's just not enough to go around. And I think this stems from the idea of ownership, that we feel like we have to own everything, our own selves, and and yet, yet, so we own everything, our own selves, yet we have this huge amount of excess and unused and idle time to all these possessions. And that if we think about this, that would, as individuals for the most part, we would much rather just pay for what we use and not have to own the whole thing. And as companies, we can think about it as when a company owns something and and they have excess capacity, they're also paying for the whole thing. And wouldn't it be great to be able to sell the excess capacity to other people? So if we think about this, we can turn scarcity into abundance by looking for places where we have excess capacity as individuals, governments, and companies, and then sharing that excess capacity either for free or for a fee to others. And in this way, we can make people satisfied and have the same standard of living with just using less stuff. So Zipcar is an example of that. Um, Zipcar is a car rental company that people can rent cars by the hour and by the day instead of owning their own car. And uh, if you think about your own car, you use it for two hours in a day and it's idle 22 hours in a day. So this was a perfect place to say, let's rearrange this equation. So the company owns the cars and you pay just for the hours that you're using it. And we are able to drive those cars 10 to 12 hours a day. And so the cars are well used. Individuals pay much less money than they would if they had to own their own car. And there's a certain beauty to sharing rather than owning your own. And that beauty is, I call, I think of them as unexpected benefits that I as an individual, when I own my own car, I have to drive that same car, no matter where I'm going, how old I am, what kind of errand I'm doing. Whereas when I'm renting a car by the hour, I can choose a pickup truck to go carry heavy things. I can use a Mini Cooper when I want to um, impress my husband. (laughs) And I can um, drive, you know, a BMW or who knows, a Prius when I feel like um, impressing my clients if I were a businessman. 
Yeah, this is really interesting because, uh, let's see, when I rent a car, uh, I pay $350 a week. When I buy a car, I really rent it from the bank at $350 a month. Even more. So it's about $8,500 the average American spends on their car every year. That's right. Which is $23 a day. And if you think about that, um, this car sharing works best for people who live in, who don't need a car to get to work. So those of us who own cars, when we don't use them to get to work, it means that five days a week, $125 later, you have your car's been sitting there in the driveway doing nothing. So it's an astounding amount of money that we pay. Um, and I haven't, I didn't talk about technology this morning, but technology is what enables us to do this sharing quickly and easily. You know, if, if I had to share a car by going to a car rental counter, standing in line, filling out some paperwork, walking to a parking lot, and then when I return it, has someone walk around the car and check it out. You could never rent a car for an hour like that. So it's only because of technology that we can make that transaction take 30 seconds just between you and the car. No people involved. You can unlock the door yourself. There's no the billing records done electronically. So it has to be done simply. And if I think of sharing all sorts of things I think we need to be sharing, technology will be a major assist in making those transactions cheap and easy, which we need. So you get to the car by bus? So the cars are parked everywhere. And so you can actually, you walk to them. And within where I live today in Cambridge, I truly, I think, I have 40 cars within a five-minute walking distance of where, I'm, where my house is. Um, and it could be that those are all taken out, in which case I would go find a car that was farther away by bike. Um, but um, I, since when I, when, when I was CEO of the company, I would do this, and I have to say I still do this. I'm always testing the system to see how late in advance I <laughs> can reserve a car. And um, Monday through Friday, you can just reserve the car right then and there. It's truly, there always is one available. Saturday around noon, you're asking for trouble. That's the one uh, tight spot of the week. Other than that, it's pretty much there. How do the insurance companies deal with that? Uh, it's an interesting thing, I think, for innovation of any kind in transportation or in many companies. When we first started, we had to do a lot of cajoling, and we paid probably too much money because they had no idea what this was really like. Right. Um, but over time, we, we could build up the record of how many car accidents there were, and so now the rate has gone down and it's more of an accepted thing. But I feel like innovation in any part of our society is really held back by this insurance issue because if they haven't seen it before and it's not done the usual way, they have no idea how to insure it. And particularly around this areas of ownership and sharing of ownership, that's the place where it's um, heartbreaking to me and I hope we can start um, pushing the envelope a little bit that not everyone who owns the asset, we have to separate ownership of the asset with using it. So if you drove my car, for example, and you got in a car accident, you should pay, or your insurance should pay, right. but those points should not go to my record, right. and today they do. So if you got an accident in my car, it accrues to my detriment. 
and we need to change that. Yes. I just lent my car to somebody. No. Which, I think that there are some, I think you can lend, I think they do have for, for small lending, but you couldn't charge someone to drive your car because then it would become now a business and then if they got an accident, you would have to pay. So it's a, it's a problem that I'm working on. So Robin Chase, what are you up to right now? So right now I'm, I have more schemes up my sleeve that I think I'm not ready to put onto a podcast. I'm, I'm also working at the national level with the U.S. Department of Transportation as well as actually the federal government trying to get them to um, look at how we can increase the ability to innovate within the transportation sector and in other sectors. So in transportation, if you think about the fact that it costs probably about $100 million to get a new car into circulation because we have the huge regulatory and safety requirements, crash tests, emissions wow. tests, this really... So that means that probably... I'm making this number up, but you know, around the world today, there are probably 50 new cars being tested out for a population of 6 billion people. Um, if instead we could imagine that low-volume cars that are being sold to not very many people, you could put those cars onto the road, or cars that don't travel on high-speed roads also, they do not cause deathly accidents, that we should say, you know, for small-volume companies, you should be able to try whatever you want. And there are so many yearning and intelligent engineers who are dying to solve or try to solve the car innovation problem, yet we don't give them any opportunity. You know, they can do some some school project that everyone says how great, and you can win the solar, you know, solar challenge, and then that's it. It doesn't go anywhere. And if we want those innovations to go someplace, we have to um, let them innovate. Uh, the other place I'm working on is around technology. And again, the U.S. government is about to make a lot of technology investments for infrastructure and how we can make those investments in such a way that many people can make use of them. So multi-purpose devices, opening up ex excess capacity of wireless networks that are built, and using open standards so that other people can add on to technology that's bought instead of what the norm is, which is for a company to win a contract with the U.S. government and then require a single-purpose private device that can only be used for the one thing. And instead, if we opened that up, we could have a lot more innovation and con connection between devices and people and sectors. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs>